ahead. Let's go ahead and hit a clap, and then we'll figure out where we're going to start at after okay. that. But we'll get lined up. All right, one, two, three. Man, that was exactly <laughs> on. I really think that we have a talent that we should be sharing with the world, like in a way, like we are so good at synchronized clapping. We're we're taking it back for the white people that don't know rhythm. <laughs> Well, we've never been good till today, though. So what's happened? No, we've, we've been good before. We've been good. I mean, a couple times. It's been right on. I mean, we're getting better in our old age. That's what it is. Maybe it's just that we're actually um, building up some sort of gay superpower. Because since we've done this, we've <laughs> overloaded ourselves with so much gay media. It's the superpower to clap. <laughs> it can only... Yeah, it's most useless. <laughs> fucking superpower i mean because nothing happens when we clap i mean we could go see a joan jett concert and it'd be on point like get that rhythm on point we'd just be clapping and every time we did like rainbows to shoot out of our hands exactly that would be great if we got like rainbows or lasers along with it be worth it uh but if if it had to have a music soundtrack that's what we'd have to figure out it needs like some sort of you know like like a rhythm. Something. Yeah, something that comes out when the music comes out. <laughs> Some super lesbian song. We'll have to come up with that. All right, we're, oh. we're rambling. We're rambling. And we haven't even told people who we are and what we're doing. Uh, this, is Con- <laughs> this is Connie. And uh, I am uh, the host of, co-host of, Is There Gay Stuff In It? And I'm here with my uh, clapping super-powered <laughs> partner, friend, Beck. Man. We Hello. Just really, we, yeah, we have really started off wacky. You know, and, it's fine. You got to do that sometimes. Yeah, usually our wackiness starts when we haven't talked in a long time, but we actually spoke a couple weeks ago when we did our um, Ann Lister Gentleman Jack heavy podcast edition, which... I think I think we get more wacky as things get more heavy, because you told me to watch these two movies for this one, and they were heavy both pop- heavy, and it just... <laughs> mm. Well... Uh- Another thing is okay. that I discovered this past week that my wife really hadn't been listening to our podcast. <laughs> my girlfriend doesn't either. What the fuck? I thought, yeah, I figured that out today. We were uh, talking about, she made a comment about like, you know, you guys watch like shows weekly that come out every week. I was like, no, no, yeah. we're a binge show. Like we are, that's, that's who we are. And she was like, oh, and I was like, you really haven't listened to it. She goes, I do sometimes. Yeah. We talk about whatever we binge or whatever we're super like obsessed with or passionate about. And we may go way back Mm -hmm. to something, which it's been several months since I watched these movies, I believe, uh, that I brought up to you. But Stacy, um, she said, we were just driving around town doing some errands. She goes, oh, I listened to your podcast the other day. I said, she goes, well, I was at work. (laughs) I listened. I was like, oh, which one? And she was like. Oh, the most recent one. And I was like, but the one we just did, you started there? And she's like, I was like, you haven't listened to the other ones? And she's like, no, no, I'm a bad wife. And I was like, oh, no. Okay, well, she's like, well, I mean, I tried at the beginning, but I didn't really like the way things were going with your beginning of your podcast. And I'll I'll leave that out there for you. Wow. Not a fan of... Stacy has wounded me. Not you. Everything's <laughs> fine with you. She loves you. She's like, I just like that back. I just like her. She goes, you guys got a good thing Thanks. going. She's like, but I just couldn't get into it at the beginning. So I'll leave that out there for longtime <laughs> listeners to figure out what she's talking about. But um, so anyway, yeah, she was like, yeah, it's really good. And I was like, why the fuck do you sound so surprised? <laughs> wow. You know, we're, you're just pouring your heart and soul into it. Just like, yeah, it's not, it's not that bad. Like, it's, you're doing pretty okay. Like, good job. 
<laughs> she just gave you a gold star. That's what it is. Yeah, and then I found out that a, a uh, straight uh, cis male, really good friend of mine here in town, um, uses us for motivation when he's running. He listens to our podcast. And I was like... He wants to run away from us. <laughs> yeah, We've taught him well. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so let's jump in because I gave you two movies that I really enjoyed for different reasons. Mm-hmm. One, I hate that I like it and I haven't read the book that it came from, but I think that after going back, because I watched the movie, um, Tell It to the Bees. And yes. it popped up a few months ago and some people that I really trust on Twitter uh, kind of who had read the book said, oh man, this emotions, I'm catching feelings and I'm upset about this movie mm. and why did they change the ending? And I was like, hmm. And I didn't really think too much about it. And then when it was, came available for me to watch, I watched it. It had uh, Anna Paquin in it, for one thing. So that piqued my interest immediately. Me. That's why I liked yeah. it when you sent it to me. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna, I got the opportunity to watch this. So I'm going to watch it. And um, I'll try to give a little bit of what it's about for people who haven't seen it yet. It's period uh, drama. 1950s. 1950s period and um definitely drama there's nothing light in this movie nothing comedic (laughs) um and it's a where's this town set do you think it's it's scotland it's scotland in the 50s and it features um holiday granger who i am now a fan of Mm -hmm. and i looked her up and discovered Mm -hmm. that everything that she's in pretty much is a period piece of some sort She's a period actor. Those are that's a type of actor. That, let me bring my yes. uh, degree into Please. it since I finally got that. Um, no, she's a period actor, and she's more of a, a uh, like a. She's not exactly a lead. She's not your leading lady. She's a renegade actress. So she's a renegade period actor, and for that to be something that transforms into this movie where she is front and center was actually very different because I have seen her in a couple of period shows. So it was it was great. I, I read some review that said like the camera loves her. Like this is a this is a yes. lush, very beautiful, very well made from things such as the settings, the the costumes to the cinematography. Everything about it, it's just, it's such a washed out palette for me that I loved it. But then her face just kind of pops off and, and just glows, as does Anna Paquin's, but... Yes, that's something to be known about Renegades. That they might be a supporting actor, might be a secondary, but they're always a scene stealer. It's like uh, season three of Carmilla, LaFontaine, through the whole mm-hmm. thing. Steals mm-hmm. scenes, steals lines, like makes those moments that you mm-hmm. remember. That's the type of actress or actor that is a renegade. And so with her having this background uh, in all of this, she really, like, giving her the opportunity to step forward and be in this role, especially with it being her forte, is, like, a wonderful idea. So in the movie, she is um, kind of the outsider in this town. I took took it that she had moved there with her husband, and it was his hometown, like he had was from there and he met her I guess in the service and then brought her back with him that is correct I I read some of the book by the way I do own the book I don't own it yet but I'm going to because I I believe I read enough stuff saying that oh why did they change this the book was great that I want to read it but our other character other main character there's three main characters really there's um what's her name Lydia the holiday granger character Lydia and then there's the Anna Paquin character which I cannot remember Jean Jean, uh, I wrote it down. Markham. Jean Markham. Jean Markham is the uh, new in town physician 
but she was from this town also. So yes. um, she, I guess her father was the practicing doctor there, and then she came back there to take over his practice. She lives in this big, beautiful house, almost mansion at the time, and she has a hobby of, do you call it bee tending, if you keep bees? Bee collecting? It's beekeeping still. Beekeeping, okay. So she's mm-hmm. she's a beekeeper as a hobby. And you have Lydia, who and she has a son, uh, a young son, probably elementary school age, gets in a scrape, mm-hmm has to be taken to the doctor she takes a liking to him because he's kind of a quiet intelligent thoughtful boy and i think maybe she sees a little of herself in him and Mm -hmm. takes him under her wing and she teaches him about the bees and it gives it almost a magical element to this story like it's set in that period but like the bee thing where she tells him you tell your secrets to the bees and and these kind of things and and they do a lot of great close-up photography in the hives and with the bees coming out and mm-hmm. he just gets fascinated with them and they form a quick little friendship that you know sometimes a young kid and a and a kind adult will form and yes. so then we have back to uh, Lydia who has kind of a shit life she's working in the factory <laughs> her husband's a drunk He's mean. He's an asshole. Uh, not very kind to his son. And so problems occur there, and he basically abandons the family. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's. I don't, I don't want to super spoil it for anyone if you want to go watch it, but... Well, I was going to stand up for the husband, and it wasn't just... They, he met her at a time when they were winning in the war. Okay. Think about it that way, and then we have to... We have to... The husband that you see now is built from losing a war and losing people around him yeah I, so I you know that. yeah i was just basing on like his behavior that we see in the movie he I, oh yeah you, you kind of wonder you're like why is this nice like loving kind of thoughtful person with this jerk but isn't that everyday life i mean i mean yeah i think that's why the flashbacks were so important is because they did show that he was like a loving nice guy and that like he did want her but then they kind of show if they had gone into depth of like what he's going through, which you know we do that, and it's really dumb sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say that I do think that with everything that he went through, he just didn't know how to adjust to her and having this child that he did not know because he was at war. Well, if they had chosen to explore all these avenues, we would be in like a four-part miniseries on these people. That's true, but we would also, you know. N- Maybe follow the book a little closer because Charlie goes into that. And I I read an interview with the director, I believe, and after Ellen, uh, I, I didn't want to read after Ellen, but it's one that popped up before I knew what I was reading. It I was like, yep. oh God! But she was the director was giving some of the dirt on why she changed the ending around in this, and so I, I read through the whole thing. I get that they were trying to tell a story of possibilities of what could be for like Charlie and what could be for these women and having not read the book I don't know like what the author's kind of story was for them but here I'm just going to break it down and be like these two women get together <laughs> these two these two perf- great acting in this in this movie between the two women <laughs> T- you know there's there's chemistry there's mystery there's they're beautiful they're both caring people they both you can tell have their own like stuff that's driven them to each other there's softness yes there is softness and it is shy and tentative but it's open with each other yes that is something that really drew me into this is they are it's not that it's like this cataclysmic like chemistry like tension fighting each other and it is this soft like Oh, I see you and you see me. Yeah, because they're both very closed off to the entire rest of the world. 
Exactly. And have their guard and their defenses up, and then they don't with each other. So this is a great little story that we're telling here. And if if you're like us, and you're <laughs> like you know the codes, and you know the things to look for, and you know how these stories go um, in queer cinema, you know we're we shouldn't have been surprised by the ending of this. I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a happy ending. It's like you've got a beginning in the movie, which is you know build up middle, which is a great love story. And then the end, it's just like a garbage fire. It's like a dumpster <laughs> of an ending. For My this life? <laughs> Not your life. <laughs> you, you... No, it is. Trust me. The raccoons are everywhere. The garbage is on fire. I got to run away. Trash pandas <laughs> have invaded the kitchen. Oh, yeah. Too many. <laughs> and I've watched this movie two or three times. I know it doesn't sound like it from the way I'm skipping around and, and missing things, but it's so pretty to look at. And their like you said their like openness with each other is so lovely and then it's just like put on the brakes we're gonna totally change the tone of this movie we're gonna change like the basic character of these people and we're gonna become really violent towards women in the end of this okay so since you sent this to me about two weeks ago i watched it like the day after we had done the last episode and you know i've I remembered it, and I was like, oh, it's just like a regular lesbian drama movie, like, whatever. And then I rewatched it today, at, you know, in the last, like, you know, a, a brief skim of a movie. Yeah. I don't do it often, but I did. And so I would skip a lot and skip through the beautiful scenes and see that, one, there's not a lot of content, and two, in the last, like, 29 minutes, <laughs> it's like a deus ex machina of being mean to women yeah because at exactly 28.3 no like 28 minutes and 38 seconds is when it starts to change the tone and i don't know if the director did it on purpose but from that point on all of the sh the scenes are darker oh. like like literally there's a filter yeah. that is darker on it i know we don't want to give everything away but it's kind of hard not to give away like what I'm talking about mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, back alley abortions. And then yeah. right after that, there's like, you know, a pretty close rape scene and mm -hmm. everything. And it's right there of like, you know, we're together and like seeing these women like together and they're like supporting each other. Great. But the outside elements are starting to come in. And when they do, everything gets darker. And this, uh, the cinematography shifts. Right. To where it's just like, go, 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 go. Get the rest of this story out. And it felt rushed. Yeah, it feels like they said, they were looking at dailies. And they were piecing this thing together and seeing where they were going <laughs> yeah. with it. And they're like, holy shit, we're making a really positive gay movie. What are we thinking? We don't. These movies don't get made this way. Let's <laughs> see how we can ruin it. How are we going to make the queers cry? Yeah. And it's all of the things. Like, you know, one of the lines in there says, this is a, not a town for secrets, or this is a town full of secrets, or something like that. And it's yeah. like, the doctor character, Anna Pack, when we discover that she has a questionable past, which may be why she left the town, and but it's followed her, and the people in that town remember her, and they've not, they have not forgotten her teenage years. And mm -hmm. they, they don't let her forget. They know. And then the fact that Lydia was brought in as a stranger... Well, they don't trust strangers. So then you take the person that they're like, oh, she was this, this, this as a teenager. And oh, here's the out of town girl. And now they're together. Guess what they're doing? They must be fucking. So. <laughs> yeah. Which. You know, let's talk about my favorite line that we heard before that they must be fucking. 
it was definitely when her uh what's her name uh lydia's sister-in-law yeah pat or whatever she said she's made up wrong mm. that was that was the opening of oh she might be gay that was when we first got the hint of she might be gay yeah. was she's made up wrong yeah and then i heard she was a dirty dyke boy like it went it went zero to a hundred real quick and then we've got the kid telling charlie that markham gene is a dirty dyke mm-hmm. you know let's pause on that for a second because hearing those words from you know a, a bitchy adult family mm-hmm. member has one impact when that little kid says that it's a whole other impact hmm. Because it's like he's saying what he's heard. Does he even understand? He's just parodying it back. But he's coming to an understanding. And he, he liked the uh, effect that Lydia and, and Jean had on each other. He liked mm-hmm. both. He liked his mother. He loved his mother. He he was, you know, in a very tender, soft kind of adult relationship as a mentor with Jean. But then, you know, hearing other people say it, it's almost like that, you know, hey, it's, it's you know, you, you, you put that in, kids. They don't naturally know it. He was fine until he heard things that he didn't understand, but he knew they were bad or wrong. And when he exclaimed that, it was very, like, jarring to me. It was for me as well. The first time I watched it, I actually... Because, you know, I I loved the uh, period appropriateness of everything that had happened so far. And so I really needed to check the origins of, would a child have said this? Like, would this... And it would have. Because there was... The term bulldike actually became a slang word for lesbians back in the 1920s. So a child would have known the slang by then Mm -hmm. to be able to say what someone else had said and not feel like it was a curse word. Yeah, yeah. Just a a description, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Beck, I'd like to thank you for that TED Talk that you just gave us. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's it's funny. I just thought to myself when you said, so I had to do the research on this. And that's what I love about you. Well, I I do. Sometimes you like get so into something that you're just like, but would that really happen? So you have to look. And with, you know, like I said, I have my degree now. Theater background. I have to do something with it. So (laughs) research is all I do. Well, I'm going to give a summary of this is that. I like, I I still, with all of this and the crash and burn at the end, I still liked this movie. I would probably turn it off towards the end if it came up on cable. I would just ignore it. (laughs) I would just be like, I want to like see this, you know, because I like the the relationship of the two leads so much. And I do like that they paid really a lot of attention to like the love scenes in it. Mm -hmm. It, They were, it was very stylized. It was very, but it wasn't as stylized in that way of like the male gaze or, in like, oh, these women are not really touching each other. They're not really having sex. They're just doing a lot of rubbing around and rolling around, you know. It, it, it really felt kind of realistic. Not as realistic as the other movie we're going to talk about, but... Do you do you want to know why it seemed realistic, but also not realistic? And that's because the 1950s, there wasn't a lot of intimacy between people. So the touching, feeling, the way that they move their bodies in this movie is because there were three dramaturgs. You know, they're theater historians on set telling them how these women would have acted together. Dramaturgs are very important when it comes to period pieces. And most often when you see a period piece that has words and, you know, lingo, like Lizzie, mm-hmm. when you see Lizzie, there were no dramaturgs there. No. 
but there were three that were there working with the set and the director with the blocking and the screenwriting, all of it, and working with the actresses being like, okay, I know that, like, the drivenness between both of your characters is to be towards each other, but it would be a lot more timid because that's how people in the 1950s were. Right, and that's exactly what, when you said be more timid, it it isn't like a modern, like, L-word-ish. I'm going to eat your face. Right. It was, and it, and it wasn't like so far in the opposite direction of like when you think about a soft core lifetime, you know, version of something featuring two <laughs> women where they might graze their cheek or something. No, there was real intimacy going on in this as opposed to like graphic sex or a made up version of what actually goes on. But I did like those scenes. My thing is that. I could tell when I was watching it and when the end was going, even though I hadn't read the book, but I did know that the end was changed. I knew that I knew what happened in the book. I could have told you what the ending was going to be. They, they, oh yeah, they, you know, do something that we we would have wanted to see, but for some reason Hollywood doesn't want, didn't want to see mm-hmm. in that movie, which is a happy ending. The lesbians <laughs> always have to be tragic. Everything has to be horrible and bad, and they can never get their happy endings. Next time we'll tell you what the book actually says because I didn't finish it. So I'll let you know what the ending is. But no, you're right. The, the lesbians don't get the happy endings that they that most male counterparts do. And they get an abrupt ending and one that is unsatisfactory. Mm-hmm. They try to gloss it over and try to make it seem like it's great and everybody is going on their own purpose. And they've come together and helped each other and now they must part their ways is kind of... You know, the the ending I I saw and I felt like they were trying to do with that. And I'll tell you that, hearkening back to our last week or last time we spoke, since we've seen that finale of Gentleman Jack, I just don't Mm -hmm. accept this ending. I just don't accept it. You shouldn't have to. Yeah. Like, I was going to cuss, but it doesn't need that. Like, (laughs) you should not have to accept the ending that they gave you for this. Like, that's bull. We can do better. We can get Mm -hmm. better. We deserve better, and mm-hmm. Ann Lister's life has given it to us. <laughs> Gentlemen Jack, <laughs> Sally Wainwright, and Saran Jones, and Sophie Rundle have given us that. And we can see that <laughs> things can be this way, and they can be beautiful, happy endings where everyone is happy and gets what they need and what they deserve. And they did not get that and tell it to the bees. <sighs> Somebody needs to tell the bees that the lesbians are unsatisfied. Well, let's talk about the other film that I had watched about the same time as this. I watched them probably within a couple of days of each other. Yeah. It's a it's a dark movie. My Days of Mercy. Isn't that the full title? My Days of Mercy is correct. This is a film that stars our little hero Ellen Page. Our little lesbian hero. True. But we also got to talk about Kate Mara. (laughs) Well we were going to talk about Kate Mara for sure. But she's she's my hero in other ways. (laughs) She or Shiro? You know, she has to be. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you that this is a lovely little tale of romantic lady love set around the death penalty issue. (laughs) Yeah, so lovely, so light, so frothy. Loved that. We're not going to get into politics, death penalty, right to life, any of that kind of stuff. Because even though that's a feature of the movie, that's not the gay stuff that's in it. So. No, they did like to punch you when you're down, though. Yeah. It's a very <laughs> emotional movie. You can't give me good lesbian and then give me, my last meal was this box of chicken wings. Like, that's just, sorry, <laughs> not into it. Right. <laughs> this movie, um, 
it's small independent film. It feels that way. It looks mm-hmm. that way. Maybe mm-hmm. a little little bigger budget than than the normal fare that we get. Because I'll tell you what, if anyone out there has Amazon Prime, I want you to go in there and search lesbian movies, queer movies, gay movies, anything. And just, you know, hate yourself for a day and go in there and click on those some of those movies and watch them. There's just, and I don't know why they, there's a lot of stuff out there and they're just not featuring. It's like the, a glut of them on Amazon Prime. When I saw the, the trailer for this, I was like, oh, maybe we're going to go really low budget and, and really, you know, it's not going to be a great movie. And I was totally wrong. It's a great movie. And I don't know if that's because it's like the brainchild of, you know, Ellen Page and Kate Mara and they are friends, you know, in real life. If you follow them on Twitter and mm-hmm. other social medias, you can see that they are friends. Basically, the movie has Ellen Page who is on the, it starts off at a prison and we see that it's a, there's a death penalty protest going on. And Ellen Page is on this side of, you know, trying to stop the death penalty and there is an execution that's going to be happening, and Kate Mara is on the opposite side of that. And they do spark up immediately. It isn't the subtle, timid, <laughs> like they instantly had, you know, because we're set in a modern time. And if you're familiar with lesbians, gays, dating, flirting, awkwardness, <laughs> they have all yeah. of that. They have all of that. So we see them kind of take notice of each other, and then the story just kind of goes from there that they keep running into each other, finding reasons to show up in the same places, um, mostly on Kate Mara's character's part. Yeah. And you don't, you wouldn't clock her right out of the gate as being like the gay character in the movie. That would definitely be Ellen Page. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Um, I will say that when watching this movie, I had a hard time clocking the time period. Like I really did just because the interactions that they had and uh, the way that you know, we didn't get iPhones shoved in our face, ever. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. never really saw a smartphone. The mm-hmm. only laptop we saw was a Netgear. Yeah. Like, I did notice that. Like, it didn't seem modern day to me for a long time. Until I thought about how would these two women know to try to go at each other if not modern times? Wait, explain that. What do you say? Go at each other. <laughs> okay, so, you know... It's hard finding other gays sometimes. Yeah. It's hard finding other people that might be interested in you. How would Kate Mara, if not for modern times, know immediately that it would be cool for her to kind of chase after Ellen Page? Yeah, so you're saying that she knew from uh, look and and style and cliches that, oh, she's probably yes. at, at least bisexual, if not just lesbian. Yes. Okay, I see what that's, you're That's kind of how I kind of figured out that, I was like, oh, this is, this is probably pretty, like, pretty modern, like, they, they can tell based off of the way that they act around each other, oh, okay. So, like, it made sense later on in the movie, but it took me at least half the movie to figure out what time period we were even in, because when you think about how long protests for death row people have been happening, how long like people that were not supposed to be arrested were and -hmm. like all this stuff like the big protests and stuff it's been happening for years and decades so it could have been placed in any time period so that's why it took me so long to exactly nail it down okay so two queers meet at the death penalty protests it's a tale as old as time i mean yeah now we know (laughs) it's a it's a basic rom-com you know grab your popcorn you know, get your Slurpee, and we will get our death penalty with the queers on. 
I do not want to spoil a lot of this movie because I believe it's going to hit regular old cable here pretty soon. Yes. Um, and so hopefully, and I'm glad that's hitting regular cable. I mean, it's mm-hmm. great when stuff goes to Netflix or stuff, you know, comes to Amazon Prime or Hulu or wherever. But those are paid subscriptions that people, not your everyday average family member or young gay kid gets to see because of, you know, financial concerns or just not subscribing to apps or whatever. But there are going to be a lot of kids who, you know, you know, their friends might have cable or they might actually have the HBO Showtime package, you know, at their house Mm -hmm. because cable companies will basically give that to you for free these days. So there's going to be a lot of kids that are going to be able to maybe see this movie and do like I did, like sneak around at night and watch the the things that seem like they might be gay. But mm-hmm. that's going to get into a lot of a lot of households, and it's going to you know not only just kids but you know adults because we need to see positive um, representation as much as we can. You know this, so I do want to say that I think this is fairly positive. It's got some issues and some tropes that it hits through that you know we do we do make it through with this movie. The other thing I want to talk about is when you, the difference in getting media made by queer people as mm-hmm. opposed to straight cis people making all the cinema and just trying to tell our stories. And unfortunately, it's going to come down to the flirting and the relationship and and the love scenes. I mean, it always does, doesn't it? It also comes down to words. Yes. The way that these characters speak. Mm-hmm. The the way that they interact with other characters in the movies or the shows or anything, mm-hmm. you will know which type of person created this. Yes. Because there is a certain way that these cis, hetero, straight, like... Whatever. Like, whatever you want to call it, These white people that don't really know everything. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's not me, you know, I'm, I'm not going to claim anything else. Like, I am a white person, but I am, and I am cis. But, like, that I'm not, I'm not trying to represent something that is not myself. And they are, and you know when they are the ones that are trying to put these words into the mouths of people that they clearly do not understand. So I think that it goes down to a a, a literature, like, wording level type of problem when you see these things getting made and you can tell from if if they can't talk to each other like a regular person Mm -hmm. then it was probably directed by a straight person that didn't really know how other queer people interact with each other or they just repeat the same uh dialogue and the same we can't just exist and live and be like these characters they just exist and live and be themselves and they happen to be whatever sexuality they are Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have the coming out story, really. It doesn't have, you know, a tragic... I mean, other than the this main story of the movie, the death penalty <laughs> causes. They aren't... They have tragedies in their life, but it isn't their sexuality. I guess that's what Mm-mm. I'm trying to say. Um, so instead of it being a focus movie of the month, here's the gay issue movie. It's another issue movie. And just two people navigating through it and their relationship happened to be gay. I like that. That's why I love this movie, really, is because it's not just that there is queer representation, but it's also just, like, it's a political debate that we need to talk about. Like, it's it's something that needs to be talked about. It is two separate entities that are made into one that makes it accessible for so many people. 
So I'm going to give this movie a big, probably a bigger uh, endorsement than the first one that we talked about, Tilt to the Bees. <laughs> Although I think everybody should check out Tilt to the Bees. It's still a lovely movie. And the people that put the work into it and the craft did a great job. It's mm-hmm. just somewhere along the line, it got it got off track. My Days of Mercy does not get off track. It's very well acted. It's very well written. Mm-hmm. Paced well. You don't get, you know, dragged down in the bigger political issues. Mm-mm. But you need them to know these characters. So I'm going to give this a much more enthusiastic, um, you know, hey, watch this movie than, than the other one. And I think, it, like I said, it's going to be coming to regular pay cable. I think I saw that somewhere. So, you know, check that out. My Days of Mercy. So I'm going to say that you're going to say the same thing. You, you would give that one a, an approval over the other movie. Yeah, I liked it a lot more. I didn't cry as much. It didn't hurt as much. Um, you know the. Uh, well, the I wasn't they, stung they, by it. They need to put, pun intended. They need to put that on the poster. <laughs> I didn't cry as much. I wasn't hurt by it. <laughs> Go see it. <laughs> Two thumbs up. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's just the truth of it. Like, my days of mercy made me cry for other reasons. Like it. Mm. That's just, like, the reality of the situation and the way they're living. And for some reason, Tell It to the Bees just didn't hit me in the same way. It it made me cry for reasons that felt fake. It mm-hmm. almost felt hollow. Mm-hmm. So. And as I've always got to do to bring it around to the dirty stuff, I was watching this movie while I was working on some designs or something on my computer. And I have, you know, I've got the two computer screens and then the TV screens right in the center of them. And there were, you know, in, the, in these love scenes... I had to put that mouse down and like turn around <laughs> and watch what was going on. Yeah. Very realistic. Very, very well done. I'm just going to leave it at that. There is no comparing the two when it comes to the love scenes, though. Um, no. Not to be biased, but um, I think that uh, Kate Mara and Ellen Page did quite well. They they participated admirably. They seemed to know what they were doing. Exactly. And that's what we want. Okay. So we didn't get... <laughs> super emotional over those movies we've given our review of those um now it's time to dip into something that i know we both got emotional over i will tell you that i was so caught up in the last season of orange is the new black Mm. and especially the last three-ish episodes of it of this last season that Mm. i uh i got a little upset watching it i cried a little bit at the end I cried multiple times, but I have my own reasonings other than the, yeah. just the show was yeah. sad. You've got your personal reasons, and mm-hmm. and I fully understand those. But I was sitting here thinking to myself, I was like, and, and I'm just going to assume that most people that are listening to this podcast have are aware of Orange is New Black, know what it's about, know that this was the finale, the seventh season. It's been mm-hmm. um, on Netflix. And it isn't like a lot of other shows where, you know, they'll say, oh, it's our eighth season, but they've had in the, you know, a how the cable shows are doing now with a mid-season finale and a spring finale and, you know, like mm. Riverdale will be on twice a year, you know, or Pretty Little Liars, for God's sake, ran year-round and you never knew when it was going to be on. You never knew. You knew that Orange is New Black in June or July was coming on every year. You knew that you were going to binge watch it in one to two days, probably, that you've waited all year. Overnight. Let's just be real about it. Overnight, we're going to watch it. Yeah, so in, in a day's sitting, the thing you've been waiting for for 12 months... It's going to already be over. And you're going to hate yourself because you're going to be like, I told myself I was going to stretch this out. I wasn't going to do with instant gratification and watch all the episodes in a row. I was going to make this last because it's so good. And you never did it, did you? <laughs> no, but I did rewatch it. So that counts, right? 
<laughs> oh yeah, I've rewatched all of them, all of the seasons, many, many times. And I have my favorite parts. Mm-hmm. And we we've we did a deep dive on Orange Is New Black. Uh, you know, back in the first season, we both we liked different seasons better. I do remember that, mm-hmm. which I thought was odd, but and we had some that we that we liked the same. You know, when I and I started posting on social media about saying, oh, you know, Orange Is New Black when the trailer came out and what's coming back and all this stuff. I got a lot of messages from people going. Man, I quit watching after season two, or I quit watching. I couldn't. I couldn't get into season six or five, you know. And when the prison riot came around, I just gave up on it or whatever. And I was just like, because I'm a person that doesn't give up on too many shows or movies. No, there's there's been a few things. I stuck with this one, and I always found bright spots and highlights and reasons to like every season. Maybe not the whole season, but but reasons to like what was going on. It's always the characters for me. <laughs> this show did such a great job of developing each and every one of these main or second tier characters that it kept me coming back you know I could be I could have not been happy with the season but it wasn't gonna stop me from coming back and watching whichever one was coming up that's because you could always find a story that you liked mm-hmm. you always could find a different story something else that was happening to be interested in mm-hmm. like it gave you so many options there were so many opportunities to like rather than dislike this show I think that you like like the main character. A lot of people, you know, we don't like Piper. Like it's just Piper is not anyone's really favorite character. Like it's just how it is. We know that. I've never heard someone say, "Oh, I love Piper the best." Piper is my reason for why. Never. There's something wrong with that person that says that. I'm sorry. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> There's no one that thinks that this main story, like everybody loved Piper and Alex together. Yes. Okay, great. Love that. That's a, that's a great story, but that's Alex. Yeah. Like, that's an Alex story. That's not just a Piper story. But with the show, you got so many different stories. Yeah, Alex was the thing that kept people interested in Piper. Mm-hmm. We all know that. We can all say that. Alex Voss is one of the great things to ever happen on television. Piper is mashed potatoes without the butter. <laughs> no salt, no pepper, no butter. No. <laughs> Nothing. Just potatoes. Just spuds. <laughs> But that's just how it is. So, like, you kept interested in these stories. And, like, even if you weren't really into the main storyline, there was, like, you know, Nikki's route and there's Red's route and there's how these all intertwine and somehow find each other. How all of these characters find each other. That's the thing that kept bringing people back because you wanted to, like, be like, eh, it's boring. Like, you know, I don't really care about so-and-so. But there's someone else that you could be interested in in the show. Or they would intersect the characters in ways that you didn't think about. Yes. I will say that in the last season, they did a pretty good job of sticking to giving us all the main people and letting us know what was playing out with them and how... their life was going to be or what was going to happen with them. There were some of the minor characters that like we didn't ever see again or hear about. And then they brought in a few that I thought was odd, like Pornstash. You know, I wasn't really concerned Mm -hmm. about where Pornstash was. Where's Bennett? I have thought that since he left. No one has said anything, and I am ready to just explode with upsetness. Like, it's not anger, I'm just upset. It's like, ever, you know, I know these writers, like, pay attention. They look at Twitter and they look at social media. I know they know that people are, like, still keep Bennett, like, active in the talk about Orange is the New Black. Where did he go? Tying up all these loose ends. Why did we not get some glimpse of him? Because they could have really made like his glimpse not be a happy one to get what that bastard deserved. You know? Uh And and that would have been so satisfying. And I don't know if it's maybe the actor wouldn't participate or 
they just didn't feel like finishing that story out for us and just let it be a wonder forever. Like, I guess like all um, the other people are wondering in, in, uh, in Litchfield, what did happen to Bennett, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They just want to leave us prisoners to their own thoughts. I will say that as soon as the thing came on this season and that one character that we hated so much walked into the screen, Baddison, <laughs> I was just like, oh, fuck. I was like, I thought surely she was going to be gone and out of this. So hated. Such a hated character. I mean, I guess that's props <sighs> to the actor because, boy, she's, I mean, supposed to be unlikable and damn, she's unlikable. You need a character to love to hate. Yeah. That's what the show heard. But also, they should have not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. So, I really enjoyed the season. It was a, a roller coaster for me. Probably the biggest roller coaster was Tasty's story. Oh, God. <laughs> because she's oh, she's God. been one of my favorite characters since the very beginning. You know, they spent a lot of time on Black Cindy's story. Spent a lot of time on her and how her story kind of was woven into Tasty's because that's how Tasty got in the situation she was in with the life imprisonment. Mm-hmm. I wish that we had spent a little more time with Tasty and her story in Pensatucky. Um, maybe dropped a little of the Black Cindy and maybe a little bit less of um, Caputo and what's-her-face, his Figueroa. Figueroa. Yeah, they really laid them on thick this season. I think they did just because in the past they haven't and a lot of people really love their relationship. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's interesting, but I wasn't, like, really, like, rooting around for them or anything. I mean, it's great, I guess, that... But she's, she's always been a horrible character, sort of. I guess they humanized her with... Uh, we didn't mention it, but this season deals a lot with the ICE detention centers, which hasn't been something that this show's dealt with before, of people, the women being detained uh, for deportation by ICE. And they there's a section of the prison or a, an adjacent area of the prison that now houses mm -hmm. of detainees and some of them had, were major characters in the show before that were there so I guess they did give us a softening of her character when she actually goes to work in that part of the system and you know she was a total selfish bitch before with the regular prisoners mm -hmm. but I think you know she saw they softened her up by her actually saying that like this is inhumane and this is indecent and immoral and made a pretty compelling argument for the detention center issue right now well, I think that's something that we need to think about as a whole with Orange is the New Black. They've always known how to put the newest issues into their show and talk about it without saying they stand just one way. Mm -hmm. Like, they've always been able to bring up the issues that need to be talked about and felt and heard by the masses because the masses watch this show. Mm -hmm. Like, doesn't matter if you're queer or straight or, like, colored or white or anything. It matters that you care about other human beings mm -hmm. and that's why the people watch this show so they've always been very eloquent in putting in the things that matter yes so i think that's that it was a really good idea for them to bring up the ice issue and to be able to show us what it's like for these families and i as much as i didn't want to run away from the main story from like the people we've known this whole time because i knew this is it this is the last season I really thought it was a wonderful thing they did by using that one episode that they did to show us what the life was like for these people before all of this happened. The way they've done for seasons. They brought them all in and humanized them all over again. And that was a great idea. Yeah, Orange is the New Black has always treated the flashbacks just as equally important as the current storyline. 
And mm-hmm. again, that's one of the things when we said we care about all of these characters, and that's why it's such a great show, is that we we don't just see them as prisoners. We see like the problems in our you know legal system, and problems with our police, and problems with the system when someone gets out of jail, which is really shown quite a lot in this show that you can be imprisoned and then do your time and get out and they set you up to fail there's everything's against you when you come out you're not set up for success that's something that people that have had to live within the system for years have known and no one's ever tried to raise awareness for that and so the fact that the show is able to actually raise awareness for that and like actually advocate for like we need to do better for the for these people because they are people mm-hmm. yeah I love that. I like that they also, they used Piper's character to show it, not just the other, you know, people from different socioeconomic status and Mm -hmm. different, you know, areas of of New York, which is where most of these characters are from and when they get out. Even for someone like her, you know, the the pretty blonde white girl Mm -hmm. couldn't get a job. Nobody cared about her story. Nobody cared whatever. She was an ex-con. You know, it was really hard for her. So if it's hard for her, you can only imagine what it's like for the rest of the characters mm-hmm. when they would be out and for the rest of everyday people when, when they get out. Uh, we're a little riled up around my house right now about the inequalities and injustices in the legal injustice system. We have a friend, a very good friend, lifelong friend, who through some bad choices and then some other stuff that is not their fault <laughs> is being punished and going to be going to one of these type of places, very much like mm-hmm. this, a camp system. Mm-hmm. Other folks are not being punished along the same lines as this person. And 100%. it's like, you know, you can watch it on TV. You can see it in the news. You can hear stories about it. Until it's somebody you love, it does not hit home. Like, you know, like like my friend is going to be gone for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hit you the same when you know someone or you know something that yeah. is going through this. We uh, recently have been having an issue with our neighbor across the street. He's had a lot of issues in the last couple of years, but over this Thanksgiving this past year, his house burnt down. Mm. And he it was it was his house with his sister. His sister died a week later. Oof. Like it was it was a big thing and he's got like stage 5 cancer. He he's got really bad things going on and he keeps getting out of the hospital and coming back and over the last couple of days, he's been walking up and down the street, drunk out of his mind. Just yelling, mm-hmm. yelling at stuff, yelling at, like, not yelling at us, because he likes me and Tiff, and, like, he knows that we're here for him, but he just keeps yelling and talking to himself, and the neighbors that are next door to us who haven't been here as long and don't know him yeah. want to call the cops. Yep. And me and Tiff have made the, like, decision of, like, we're not going to call the cops on him, because we know he'll get defensive, he'll get upset, and he's been in trouble before. We don't want that for him. We want to help him. Yeah, he doesn't need to be hauled off somewhere at this point in time and no. where no one is going to care. That's the whole issue. And so the issue is, you know, we try to get help and try to, like, talk to him, but it doesn't work. And so what can you do? And then you just feel so upset because you know this person. You care about this person. And then you watch TV or you watch Orange is the New Black and you see people that are discriminated against. Like, you know, this man is mm-hmm. being discriminated against because... To the country as a whole, like, you know, to the country, I can't even say that it's socially. Socially, people think that other people that are not just strictly white and straight are lesser than. 
mm-hmm. and that they don't deserve justice and that they don't deserve a fair trial and that they are inherently worse mm-hmm. and that they are going to hurt them just because they don't look like them. And we don't want him, who doesn't look like the other people, to be harmed because of that. Right. Because we've seen him go through those types of things. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's it's knowing that this happens every single day and there are so many people that don't acknowledge it and act like it's not happening. Beck, that's everything right now. People, I know we see the stuff that's been going on since 2016 and, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I'm guilty of being overwhelmed by it myself and just, you know, being like, look at my phone and Stacy will be in the other room. I say, oh, there's no, no, you know, shooting today. And it just becomes a thing that we're, mm-hmm. that we're numb to. I don't want to get on political rant here, but bring it back around to Ordinance of New Black. I think it's opened a lot of people's <laughs> eyes to a lot of these issues. I mean, let's face it. It was Netflix's... It's the thing that kicked Netflix into high gear. It was like the number one show yes. for years and years in a row. Right. It's like how Sopranos did that with HBO and like the golden age of television that followed from that. It's the Sopranos of the Netflix you know, yes. channel or service. So it's very important. And, uh, you know, a lot of people like skip around it and don't didn't follow through with it or whatever. But I think if you stuck with it and you stayed with the journey, there was no way you couldn't be emotional at the end of it. Um, there were some, um, you know, spoiler alert, you know, some people were going to die. There were some deaths on this show that hit me so hard. Which one hit you the hardest? Because I know what hit me. Uh, well, I guess we'll just, I'm going to say if you haven't seen it. Stop now. Stop now. <laughs> come back in a couple minutes back into the show. Um, Pensatucky yeah, got me bad because mm-hmm. that is a fully developed storyline, character arc. Her flashbacks were so sad. <laughs> and she was such a good, good character from where she started out on the show to midway through to the end. And then for it to be like a give up because you feel like, again, you're less than and you're not good enough mm-hmm. and that's that's exactly what that was she would not have gone and done those drugs had fucking loose check done his damn job that guy <laughs> i have wanted to like him because he's the goofy funny guy no like i've he's the guy if you worked in the prison with him you would be goofing around with him too yeah but he there's not a redeeming quality he's just just blind to like decency and follow through for people and so selfish and he's shown us that the whole time and then it really hit when she went to take her GED and she did not all he had to do was tell them he just had to notify Mm -hmm. them she has special education needs she needs extended time to take the test two sentences he could have said would have saved her life and then the gut punch was when you saw that she passed when she didn't think that she the had. The gut punch was you waited for Tasty to be the one the whole episode. You yeah. you knew it was going to hurt. You knew yeah. it was going to hit hard. And then they slapped you across the face. Yeah. At the last second. Yeah. And changed the entire thing. And it hit so hard. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't believe that that's what had happened. I was thinking, oh, no, she probably passed out. Like, too many drugs. Ah." No. And it really sucked. And that opening of the last episode Mm -hmm. where you see her spirit free there in the prison where she walked. 
I was in tears. I was crying like a baby, and I didn't know I liked her that much, but yeah. I did. Who knew? Who knew that I cared that much about it's her? It's because you were so endeared by her character. Like, she'd been there since the start, and she'd changed so much and formed all these relationships. And without even knowing it, she brought so many different types of people in the prison together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was your tie-in, was Tiffany. She was the tie-in. Yes, and I'm glad that we did get that at the, you know, it was sad to see the the kind of bounce around out in the yard and the peace out kind of thing, but, mm-hmm. you know, they've let us know, hey, she's all right and she's better. Mm-hmm. That was good. Yeah, you did, the whole time we were thinking, you know, I was like, surely, you know, they're not going to do something with Tasty, but then I really start to feel like they were because she, yeah, is, me too. she is not someone that doesn't make a plan and go through with it, you know, like mm-hmm. she does what she's supposed to do. I was happy that they brought that around and changed that. The other main thing that I was happy about was that I thought they were going to go a different direction. And I think it's, I thought it because of how well it was acted with Alex and Mm -hmm. Piper, the, Mm -hmm. the Alex freeing her and saying, I got a long time in here and acknowledging that she was the reason that things went wrong for her. And, and, and that, I'm I'm setting you free kind of thing. It was done so well. And they played up the other relationship for Piper with, what was her name? Zelda. Uh, Zelda. God, that's not even a, that's a name of. That sounds like a new hip queer name. <laughs> like she picked that name herself. It wasn't her given name. She did. She went to the Home Depot. She was like, this is mine. <laughs> so they played that so well that you really did think, hey, Piper may just take the easy way out. And go mm-hmm. this easy life that she had before and mm-hmm. and not go back. But we were, again, spoiler alert, we were, I was, I say we because Stacy's never watched the show after the first few episodes because she hated Piper so much, so she quit. But yeah. she came in and sat in the den with me as, like, she came in from work and I was in that last couple episodes and she was like, mm-hmm. oh, is this the last season? Are you watching the last few episodes? I was like, yeah. She fixed herself something to eat. I thought she was going to go in the other room and watch whatever she watched. She came in here sitting down in the den and, man, she was into it. Like, yes. <laughs> she was like, I don't even watch this show. And what's <laughs> start the next one. Like, what's going to happen, you know? So um, I hate it because now she won't go back and watch the rest because she's seen the end. But Oh, that's bull. No, <laughs> no, won't. no. She won't do that. She will not do that. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> she missed so much good, especially like the musical. I know. The musical episode is the best one. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell you that years ago when it first came out, my dad, who at the time was, I guess, like 72 or 70, 74, um, mm-hmm. I had sent him, he saw me posting about Orange is a New Black online and asked about mm-hmm. it. And I said, it's like this women's prison show. Well, of course, my dad's like, Hey, I want to watch that. I was like, do you have Netflix? He's like, no. I said, I'll send you the DVD. So I sent him to my dad. Well, he watched the first That's two great. seasons and then didn't get to see any more of it because I just never kept up with sending them to him and, and stuff. Yeah. And so, but he's uh, living here in town now with our son. And um, we were talking about teaching him how to use the Apple TV and get around to all the streaming and all this stuff. He said, what about, oh, no. he goes, what about that, that orange black show and i was like orange is new black i was like hey the last season's getting ready to air or whatever you should get caught up on that he goes well i haven't watched any after the second season i was like oh but it's all right there dad you can watch so i think they've marathoned the whole thing up so that's probably like you know we've we've watched it you know a season a year they're gonna get hit hard by marathoning it all oh it's gonna hurt 
It's going to slam them in the face and they won't know what to do. Yeah, I'm waiting for the update on that because also my 81-year-old dad and my 27-year-old son over there in their bachelor pad have (laughs) fallen into Outlander. Wow. (laughs) They are exploring. I just got my dad to watch Stranger Things. So, you know, we're getting there. We're working on it. They came over here one afternoon and I was asking what they were doing or whatever. And and Tanner said, well, we've been over there watching Outlander. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I didn't watch it. And my dad was like, oh, it's a good one. It's a good show. So I got, they're up all night over there watching Outlander. And they watched what was on whatever streaming. And then they thought they were over and then discovered there were two more seasons that they could access on another app. And oh they were like, God. oh, God. And my dad was like, and I'm going to curse like and take the Lord's name in vain. But I was over there. And my dad goes, God damn. I'm too old person to be watching a show like this and be this caught up in it he was like a 200 year old <laughs> woman walking through walls that's just crazy but i can't quit watching it <laughs> so i don't know if there's any gay stuff uh, in outlander or not because i have not watched it but i haven't either so if we haven't watched it then it probably doesn't have gay stuff probably not but <laughs> but anyway we'll give it an endorsement because it's keeping a 27 year old fella and 81 year old fella totally interested in it so that's an achievement all of its own it is it is <laughs> Well, okay, so Orange is New Black. I was happy with most of the endings. I was sad with some of the endings. Um, I feel a little sad that it's gone, that I don't have it to look forward to again yeah. to come back. I'm sure I'll go back and revisit some of the seasons, but I don't feel the pull to rewatch it anymore after the finale of this one. Like, there's some shows that I watch over and over and over again. Do you feel the pull to go back to this one? There was closure. Yeah. Like, there was a good bit of closure. It truly... It wrapped up the stories for me. It brought the characters back in. It brought us back home. It brought us back to what we know with these people. And, like, they're doing okay. And so I don't. I don't feel the pull to go back and start over and be like... It's not like watching Futurama. Futurama was, like, my cartoon, like, adult cartoon show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved it. Watched the whole thing, got to the end, and I want to start over again. Every single time I watch it. Mm-hmm. Because there wasn't closure. Yeah. But this show, you can watch it, watch it all the way through, and you won't feel like, oh, but I wish this would have happened, yeah. and like, to the point where you want to rewatch. Yeah, I mean, there were seasons that had loose ends, there were seasons that had plot mm-hmm. lines and stories that I was like, why are we spending all this time on this? But I don't, I don't care about that anymore. We, they did their job, they brought mm-hmm. it home, they, packed, they wrapped it up in a nice little package for us, and <laughs> I felt, while I felt horribly sad, I also felt good about that, that, you know. I walked through the house as soon as it was over, and, and I was kind of, you know, Stacey was like, you're taking this really hard. I was like, I said, man, it's been seven years of my life with these people. Um, it was like a seven-year sentence that I was in there. Exactly. Exactly. Tiff was looking at me, and she was like, you okay? <laughs> I was like, it's just really hard. <laughs> it's hard right like, now. Like, it's just hard right now. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing or feeling. <laughs> like, I stopped that last episode at least 13 times. Yeah. Like, I kept pausing and be like, nope, I'm not ready. I'm not going to do it yet. Nope. I stopped at the last, like, minute and a half. And I was like, nope, really not ready. Don't want this to happen. Mm-hmm. So you just have to take it at your own pace. Because it is something that I know I watched season one as soon as it came out. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then I know that I waited up every night at midnight to watch the show as soon as they released it. I remember season two came out three hours late. Yeah. And I was furious <laughs> and searching, thinking it got canceled. Yep. What other show can you think of that really made you do that? Not many. Exactly. 
And also, it was one that a couple of the seasons I was doing other stuff while I was, you know, doing my thing that I talk about a lot, working, watching, and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I know season four, particularly, made me just turn off the computer that was and go get on the couch and just be in it. Like, yeah. I just finished it out. After, like, two or three episodes, I was like, I'm just going to be with this show right now. And that's what I did. And that happened with a few of the I get seasons. That. Yeah. I completely get that. I know one time, I think it was season three, I was, like, my, my girlfriend had asked me to watch it with her. And I was like, nah, got to watch it when it comes out. Sorry, yeah. you won't be over. But I bought, like food for the day i bought pie because i wanted to eat pie after the pie throwing <laughs> yeah. and like i sat on my couch and played it as soon as it came out and watched the whole thing through i got done with it around like 8 a.m sun had just come out i went out and sat on my patio for another hour and just was like it's over what do i do now so i went back in and started over yeah like it's just it was one of those shows that you as a community felt together and you all were ready to do it. I will say that I was really glad with this show that Netflix uh, developed that skip intro feature. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Because <laughs> that thing is so long. And if you're marathoning it and watching it over and over again, I would get to where that song was in my head so much in the rest of my life. Yeah. I felt like a crazy person. But I really enjoyed the way they did the last episode. Did you listen to it that time? The last episode? Probably not. I probably skipped it. It was acoustic. Oh, Okay. So, like, right. when watching uh, When on Earp, when yeah. dolls died, yeah. and then they had the funeral episode where it was all acoustic, yeah. that's how they did the very last episode theme song. Okay. And it honestly made me cry. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh like, boy. it was, it was like, you knew it was coming. It built you up for that. And, like, the second that it went to the thing where it came up, skip intro, I heard it change, and I was like, I gotta know. <laughs> yeah. And it hurt so hard. <laughs> it punched you, and you didn't know. Well, we've both survived it. And we loved it, and it's True. over. And big props to Orange is New Black, everyone involved. Um, what got me also was the end credits with uh, Natasha Leone crying in the after scene credits. Okay, but listening to the song. Yeah. Have you listened to the whole thing yeah. as a whole outside of the credits? Yeah. Oh my God! It oh. Yeah. It hit. I'm telling you, when when I keep saying it hit hard, it feels like somebody took an anvil yeah. and dropped it from like 50 meters above my head and just kept dropping it over and over. It's that feeling when someone tells you bad news. Yeah, it's this sinking feeling mm -hmm. that you're like, oh, all right. Mm -hmm. <sighs> well, let's talk about what's coming up on our next <laughs> episode because we made ourselves skip a week of talking about Gentleman Jack. We were like, we, we're not we going to do that to people. We're not going to... We're not going to slam them with two episodes in a row. And then we had the other, the two things that we had put off, the two movies. And then we knew Orange is the Black was coming. And we're like, let's just cover that and do a palate cleanser. Mm -hmm. Let's do a palate cleanser. Mm -hmm. Give you options, and then, really. And then we'll have to do a palate cleanse from this one. Because what I want to talk about next time with you is, I don't want to just talk about, like, you know, when we talked about Gentleman Jack before, we talked about Ann Lister a lot. We talked about the historical importance. Mm -hmm. We talked about um, the otherness, the, the being different being queer mm -hmm. all that stuff i don't want to talk about like the real life i want us to talk about that show and how good it is of a story of acting of the way it's shot of everything in regards to a lesbian love story oh i can do that and i can give you all the set details that i loved yes and the outside perspective of the blocking and the way they did it we got this <laughs> now did you get into the diaries at all yet I got into a little bit of it, yes. Okay. I did buy it. I've read some of it. I haven't finished it, 
but I finished I finished the Anchoma book that the you know they based the series around, and I'm yes. on page six hundred out of a thousand or something of the Secret Diaries of Anne Lister. Yes, which is basically just diary entries with none of the um, context put in by the author. Mm-hmm. And I guess she wrote every day, but you know there are days that are skipped in this, and I don't know if that's they just didn't publish them or they hadn't had them decoded yet or whatever. But, Probably not. Yeah. But it's um. I'll tell you what I've been doing with them is I've been reading it every night before I go to bed and I started reading them out loud to Stacy, which is the damn most lesbian thing. I, think I was going to say, that's the gayest thing I've ever heard. Ever participated in in my life and I participated in some lesbian activities. <laughs> this one, I was reading it and she was, she was like, are you going to read your book tonight? You know, and I'd been reading it forever and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm reading this. And she's like, well, what's going on? Like, what's happening? What's she doing? And I was like, well, do you want me to just read some of it to you? Because the way she writes and the the little details and mm-hmm. descriptions and all that stuff is cool. And then if you've seen the show, then to see the way she like uses her diary as her sounding board is really cool. Mm-hmm. When you, when you, but to say those things out loud as she's written is very cool. But anyway, she only makes it about two or three entries before she falls asleep. So, uh, Well, you know, slow pace, but she's getting it. So I don't know if that's uh, good because it's a nice like lullaby to go to sleep with Ann Lister's mm-hmm. life coming in your ear or if it's that it is really like dry and very oh, detailed no. and all that stuff. But yeah, I was thinking about that when I was doing it. I was like, this is so gay. Yeah, it is. You should never ask her which one it is. You should just let it live. But I think that Ann Lister is happy that this is happening in this day and age. Yeah, she needs it to. Yeah, she probably... I bet she maybe read some of her letters or things to Ann Walker in bed, maybe. I would I would agree with that. I mean, at some point, you want to share what you're doing. Well, we'll come back next time, and you and I will talk about what we want to talk about in more detail before <laughs> we before we get on, because we'll ramble again like we did last time. Uh, with well, the, that's all we do. With the greatest show ever. And, <laughs> and I'm really trying to convince people like to watch the show, and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, I'll get into it. And I know if they just gave it 15 minutes, they would be like, I agree. Why have I not watched this? And I hope that HBO puts a little more promotion behind it, since we're going to have almost two years before the second season comes out. Yeah. Well, they've been doing really well. They've been getting a lot of uh, queer talent to come and read Ann Lister's actual diary to promote the show. So I know a lot of YouTubers that have actually gone and like read parts of her diary for HBO at this point. So do you think I should put a webcam in the bedroom and just put broadcast me reading them aloud to Stacey yes. every night? Yes, that's promo. <laughs> That's free promo. Promo. <laughs> Maybe I could get HBO to sponsor that and give me a little uh, yes! sponsorship money. That would be great. That would be great. HBO, come watch me reading Aunt Lister to my wife. All right. We never do self-promo for ourselves. We always forget. So I wanted to try to remember that tonight, that we don't ever tell you that you can go to Gay Stuff Podcast on Twitter and yes. follow along with what we're doing there. Um, you could find me on Instagram, at Butch and Sissy, and I usually uh, post some little snippets and things that go along from the show on there. I'm also on Twitter at Butch and Sissy. Where can they find you at, Beck? They can find me on every social media site as Tiny Gay Cookie. Yeah, having that one name across the board is like so baller. I also have a website. I did not know Hire this. me, please. I'm jobless. Is that what your website's called? Hire yeah, me, please. Yeah, tinygaycookie.com. No, I thought it was hire me, please. I'm jobless.com. No, <laughs> it is tinygaycookie.com, but it should say hire me, I'm jobless. <laughs> All right. No, but you can find all my stuff through there. So. Okay, Tiny Gay Cookie and at Butch and Sissy. You can find everything you need there. And if you are into Gentleman Jack, I've got a little bit of my uh, Ann Lister's thermometer pin left 
probably my best-selling product I've ever made outside of my vanless collaboration with Natasha and Negavanless. Um, yes. The, the thermometer pin, you know, the thermometer has its own Twitter account. Really? Yeah, you should follow that. It's very hilarious. I should. I didn't even know. They saw my post of the pin, and their comment was, good lord, I'm adorable. <laughs> Which <was laughs> I love that. Which oh, that's great. Hilarious. Yeah, they, they put themselves, the thermometers, in different historical places and in different scenes and stuff. That's and, so cool. Yeah. And I've also got two pins coming up in the next couple of weeks, hopefully about a week. I've made a sweetheart pins. So I've got one for oh. Anne Lister and Anne walker done in like a traditional tattoo heart style mm -hmm. and then i've got another one in my ship from the show which yeah. is <laughs> and lister and mariana belcom it's okay guys i'll keep her at bay we'll fight her off it's fine <laughs> i might get like hate tweets at me or something because i like that <laughs> so much but i'm gonna I, i'm gonna bring some things next week about mariana that i hope that will turn some people's opinions around we could try. We're going to have to get off this topic because, again, we're talking about it too much. Um, <clears throat> Beck, it's been great talking to you about sad movies and sad shows. <laughs> Don't you love to be sad? Grab a box of tissues. <laughs> sad and gay. <laughs> That's l literally my life. All right, cool. Got it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like what you're listening to and you like uh, what we're talking about, please try to give us a follow. You can um, go to Anchor. And, or any place, really, that you listen to your podcasts. Um, if you go to iTunes, we'd love a review and a subscribe. And Spotify, same, you know, subscribe there. That'd be great. All right, Beck, talk to you later. All right, bye.